0: Welcome to the Subhub Podcast. I'm MK Sullivan. And I'm Danny Moreno. And just a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Never Second. Use code Subhub25 at checkout to get 25% off of your purchase.
1: Yeah. And today we have a fun episode. I feel like personally I've been craving kind of like catching up with MK and doing a longer form. We've been doing a lot of short form content for you guys, you know, prepping you for the series, et cetera. Um, So today, me and MK are going to catch up, talk about what's been going on in our lives. Uh, We're going to chat about Kodiak, which happened this past weekend, which was another UTMB uh, World Series race, which allowed people to qualify for OCC, CCC, and UTMB. Uh, We also are going to chat about the most recent Valsier Mountain Running Cup, uh, a lot of information and good stuff happened there. And then we will do some previews for the upcoming World Series for both Golden Trail World Series and the Sky Running World Series, which are both happening this month.
0: Yeah, um, it'll be an action-packed episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, this might be like a long-run episode for some people who are finishing out their season.
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah. Speaking of Kodiak... Um you ran this weekend how are you feeling?
1: Yeah, actually my body feels really good surprisingly. During the race kind of like the last mm, maybe like 4 miles I felt my hamstrings quite a bit. Um not like I'm going to pull something but just like they're working a lot and I'm sure you've experienced this too but the course was 53k which I feel like such a dummy cuz that was clearly on the website and like 80% of us were somehow surprised that it was a 53K, not a 50K. And, um, you know, with the race, going after the last climb, there was like a sign at the top and there was actually still a little bit more climbing that said four to go. And I'm sure myself and hundreds of people in the race looked down at their watch and were like, what the, we're going to run like 32, 33 miles today. (laughs) I thought we only had two miles to go or three miles to go. Um, and sometimes Reese's put those, those signs on and are up and they're not always right, but this one was definitely right for sure. Where I I was like, okay, just run two miles. And if it seems like you can't see town yet, then you're actually running four miles. Um, and at that point I had already committed to a move. So yeah, it was, it was a pleasant surprise, but sorry, I got distracted. Um, but it was very much a running course like I maybe hiked once and it was on this climb up to snow summit so I feel like when you're actually running for hours your hamstrings especially on uphills because you're actually able to run all the uphills are so engaged that the last 5k I was just like all right I really need
0: to get to the finish line yeah that's pretty much how I feel like every time I run way too cool I get to like the final five six miles and I'm like oh my god my hamstrings
1: (laughs) Yeah. I've been
0: running way too much. Yeah.
1: I was trying to think of other races like that. And I think it's all of those like early 50 Ks, maybe like Chuckanut way too cool, formidable, or you can actually, you're actually running for like four to five hours versus, you know, the Europe races that we tend to do.
0: Yeah. But speaking of the the longer distances, that same exact thing happened to me at Mammoth where I like didn't, look at the Strava profile so closely that I knew how long the race was I just was like oh it's 50k it's fine and then I got to the portion that is like the last three miles of the course and I knew that it was three miles because I had run it before multiple times and I was like oh my god I'm already at mile 29 like this is going (laughs) to be a 32 33 mile race (laughs) and it was and yeah you're just like never prepared for that (laughs)
1: I know, but we should be. <laughs>
0: this is the <laughs> funny
1: part. Cause I finished and someone Corinne, out of all people, she was in the hundred K. She's like, Yeah, it said fifty-three point five K on the <laughs> website. And I was like, How how did you know that? And me, Tabor, and Rachel, none of us realized that it was actually a 53K. It was Just pretty funny. It out. <laughs> yeah. It was so, you know, kind of this part of the year has been weird for me. I think a lot of people who are probably in the same boat where, you know, potentially they had an entry to a UTMB race, CCC or OCC, um, for reasons for other reasons besides have qualified, having had qualified this last year. And so we all were kind of like hearing he said, she said, like they're going to extend the qualification until next spring. And so originally I was planning to do Le template. And then I kind of had a switch of heart where I was like, okay, maybe I'll do Cappadocia, which is this race in Turkey that a lot of my teammates went to. And then I think it was like the week before mammoth or two weeks before mammoth is when they released these, the official rules because it was a lot of, he said, she said, gossip really amongst like <laughs> all of us um, that, we had to qualify. And at first it was, I think if you remember, it was like December 1st, I think was the first thing we heard. And then they extended it to like, no, you could qualify until the end of the year. And so that just like put somewhat of a panic. I don't know how to explain it, but we were all kind of shuffling and we're like, oh crap, like we need to qualify. And so um, for us North Americans, that only left two options if you didn't want to travel very far, which was Kodiak or Puerto Vallarta and um I ended up choosing Kodiak and to my pleasant surprise so did some other great American women choose Kodiak so then I think it was kind of this mind shift too of like oh I'm just gonna go qualify just like oh I
0: actually I'm gonna go race to qualify now (laughs) yeah yeah and then actually like a week before your race UTMB told the uh, PTRA that, that we could petition to like qualify through June. And I was like, Oh my gosh, these, these people are going to be so pissed. But at the same time, like that's just a petition. You have no idea that that's going to be granted. So you might as well just run the race and like try to qualify. And it was uh yeah, it was a competitive race.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. They keep it's, <clears throat> It's like bittersweet, right? Because they're changing the rules because we're asking them to change the rules at the same time. Um, but it was kind of like, I had probably three people text me as soon as we got that email. You could ask for an extension. It's like, I'm just going to do it. I just need to get this done. Yeah. It's just, it's just. I've already happy. continued. I've already, I've already, yeah. Exactly. Well. <laughs> I've already pushed that much longer. Um, but I think we were all mentally, maybe in the mindset of it kind of felt like a chore. You know, like, I doubt any me, Rachel Drake, Tabor Hemming, Anna Mae Flynn, Bailey Qualsic had Kodiak on our schedule all year, (laughs) but it was cool to show up to that. And even on the men's side too, and like the 50K and stuff. And I think once we were all there, it's like, we're all experiencing this, mm, these growing pains together. And then suddenly it was fun. It's like, oh, we're just all with this, like as friends and stuff like that. Um, which was really cool. What did you think of? Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: As I say, it almost felt like one of those early spring 50 Ks because like, totally the only time that we, we all really race each other for some reason.
1: Oh yeah. On American soil too. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of like, I think for a lot of us, we, when you get into the sport, these are the type of races you do. You're not doing like crazy assets and descents. I think a lot of us have that like fast running background, you know, or a majority of us. Um, And I was talking to, I think Rachel and Tabor and we're like, yeah, we have like an 80% uh, attendance of like the best women for this distance in America (laughs) at this race, you know, obviously we're missing like yourself, Jennifer Lecter, um, Kimber, Kimber. you know, a couple, a couple other names that it's like, this is kind of like a pseudo USA, championship in a way which was fun yeah
0: that was fun what did you think of the race
1: like atmosphere
0: get to watch the 50k unfortunately or the 100k really because I was crewing for my husband so like the the atmosphere was kind of lost on me I think but I was there with friends um that aren't runners and so that's always fun like having a group of people that well they run, but not in the sense that like we do. And so having a group of those people join to like help crew Tommy was, was a lot of fun. Cause they're just like, why would you ever do this? <laughs> like my Tommy's at like mile 33 and he's halfway through and they're like, what? <laughs> but I'm like, here's a sunscreen. Here's some gels. This is your job. This is my job. And we're like pit crewing him them through everything. So that was enjoyable for me. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. I was, uh, what's called when I was running, I had, um, by the way, Tommy is MK's husband as yeah. many of you probably know by now. Uh, but he ended up getting third in the hundred K. So he qualified for CCC and I was his first hundred K. Um, and then our friend Rod decided the day before he was going to run the hundred K he ended up winning that. Um, so that was cool to have cheering on those folks in the hundred K also. Um, but yeah, during my race, Helen. And I think maybe people that were curing Tommy or people that were friends in the area and stuff like that. I couldn't quite figure out who was in the group when I was running. Like I had just made a move on Bailey. And so I was just super fierce mode running. And then like through the tree started hearing my name and, I, and then I looked up and it was Helen. And that was kind of fun. Cause I was like, I feel like I'm just, you know, out here with my friends, you know? Yeah.
0: The that other two were cool. probably, I think she was running with Matt Seidel and Chris Myers, they were out there, yeah, getting people pumped up. Tommy said that was like one of the better parts of the race for him. That he like they started cheering for me. He was like, I started crying because I was so tired and so (laughs) grateful that they were there. I was like, that's awesome.
1: That's really cool.
0: That's the that's the upside of like racing in the U.S. is like a lot of the times there's people out there that know you, or people that you race against that are just there to like catch vibes, as Matt would say. A hundred percent, and we had like a really
1: cool group of women. It was me, Rachel Tabor, anime Flynn, and a couple of women that I didn't know in the first like eight miles of the race. And it was kind of like an out and back. And because it's so early, we knew it was going to be two-way traffic, like as the sun was coming up. And there was just so many people cheering us on that knew our names, you know, like almost every single person, there was some name like, go Danny, go Rachel, you know, go anime. And I just thought that was so cool. Cause I'm like, it probably is because we are in America that that's happening, yeah. you know? So
0: I thought that was really, really cool. Um, and what, a, what a weird thing to have to wear a, fi- a headlamp for 50 K. I feel like I've never experienced that.
1: <laughs> that was so weird. It wasn't even on the mandatory year,
0: which, yeah. you know,
1: maybe Kodiak add that. Um, but it wasn't until like the week of that, Bailey texted me and was like, hey, are you bringing a headlamp? And I was like, I didn't even think about that. Um, I probably should. And yeah, we were in the, you could not have ran that without a headlamp. No. It was no. pitch dark. Um, and even Chad Hall, the morning of, he's like, yeah, it's weird that they picked the darkest trail for like the the nighttime version. And we're like, yeah, you definitely could have not worn a headlamp.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, was, uh, it was so dark and it was surprisingly cold too. Like colder than I thought it was going to be.
1: Yeah. Like 20 degrees colder.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I swear. I checked the weather and it was like, oh, it'll be low 40. So I didn't like pack anything that warm and it was 28. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Same, same.
1: All of us were like, oh, we don't need arm sleeves. We don't need, you know, layers underneath. And then all of us were just shivering at the start line. Um, but yeah, highly recommend Kodiak. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a cool event, especially, Growing up in like Los Angeles and SoCal, I thought I felt a lot of that presence there um, through various ways. And just a reminder for those people, the rules officially are now that if you want to race OCC, CCC, or UTMB, you have to qualify the calendar year before. So you have until December 31, 2023, to qualify for 2024. So if you do any races next year, they are actually qualifying you for 2025. So hopefully that doesn't surprise people they like run canyons and, you know, they're not in for that
0: year. And hopefully it doesn't change again. <laughs> and hopefully it doesn't change again. <laughs> yeah, uh, it'd be nice to just have like one one system. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes, hopefully it stays like this at least for a year. And then I did wanna call out one more aspect of the qualification is it's the top three in those events. Uh, So for example, Tommy, MK's husband was third. So he's automatically in for CCC. If for some reason he had gotten fourth or fifth, he still would have had a chance to qualify because then they look at these points based off your index score, of the race result, which a lot of people have been confused about. It's not your index score overall. It's what you do on the day. So you could be Courtney DeWalter with the highest index score, but if you were to like run a 300, which she would never do that. Um, but if that were the case on the day, she actually wouldn't have gotten into the race. Maybe that's a poor example, but people will get what I'm trying. Cause she would probably be in already. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So for the 50 K for women, it's 680. So that's what Rachel Drake was doing. Like Rachel Drake, you know, went out, I think for like the first half, um, and then kind of like pulled off a little bit because she's training for CIM. Uh, and so her goal was to run a time that would get her at least a 680, uh, for minutes yeah. for minutes, 830, in the 50 K the hundred K is 660 for women, 800 for men. For the 100 mile, it's 600 for women, uh, 760 for men.
0: Yeah. And basically, since the 50K was more competitive than a lot of people thought, it's likely that um, especially through top five on both the men's and women's side, if not further, get into the race, despite not finishing top three. So those results, by the way, are Danny Moreno, our own, winning the women's race at 419, Bailey Kowalczyk at 427 Tabor Hemming 440 Rachel Drake 455 and Hannah Rowe 458 for the top five for women and then on the men's side Chad Hall won with a time of 345 Eli Hemming pretty close behind him at 349 Philip Royer a name I don't know at 356 Darren Thomas at 358 and Morgan Elliott at four hours flat so
1: yeah and I heard in the men's race Chad Oh, I also saw him, Chad Hall just shot off like a rocket and then classic Chad Hall. (laughs) Um, And then everyone was kind of chasing him down. And I think Eli was starting to close that gap. And then, yeah, Philip Royer, I'd love to do more research on him. I haven't heard of him, but yeah, I think Darren Thomas and Morgan Elliott were also kind of like trying to close that gap as the race went on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But exciting for them.
1: Yeah. Super exciting. So, yeah. Last race in North America is Puerto Vallarta. Um, otherwise, your options are only two weekends from now. Otherwise, your options <clears> are only international, Doi Ethanon, um, Sweden, the Sweden, Kulmanen or whatever. Yeah. So uh, I think
0: those are the only three left in general, but I could be wrong. Dang. Yeah. So
1: options are slimming down. <laughs> uh, all right. Valsir Mountain Running Cup. This, so this, these are the races that we've been personally, I think we both need to be more educated on, but I feel like we've learned a lot this year, um, as the subhub. But these are kind of like pseudo WMRA races. People a lot of people don't like it to be called the WMRA Mountain Cup. It's Valsier that is uh supporting it. And these ones actually give you um like scores through world athletics, uh, which is kind of interesting. And what was interesting about the Mountain Cup this year is they actually took place, I believe, where the World Championships is going to be. Is that correct?
0: In Gran Canaria, I actually don't know, but probably.
1: Oh, maybe not actually, because they're in the Pyrenees.
0: I'll double check. Oh yeah, that. yeah, because I think it's in the Pyrenees. But these were also
1: in the Pyrenees.
0: Yeah, I don't know enough about Spain, honestly, to yeah confirm or deny. <laughs>
1: We'll, we'll look into
0: that. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like maybe
1: I read that comparison somewhere. Um, but essentially these kind of had a similar format that the world championships did that MK participated in, in June, where there's an uphill race, uh, um, a long distance race, and then a classic race. And again, this long distance race, isn't actually like long long from what I understand but they call it the long race um so yeah and also what was interesting is that for these races the temperature was really high that they changed all of the courses like pretty drastically pretty drastically (laughs) yeah and when MK and I were looking at the weather it was hot it said it was like 96 degrees um but we also imagine
0: it's pretty high humidity as well
1: probably super high humidity. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we also were kind of chuckling cause you know, Western States is known for that. Like you run a hundred miles and a hundred <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> um, but we do appreciate them taking, taking the athletes into consideration. And they said there was also a possibility for
0: forest fires,
1: uh, which yeah. that's kind of scary. <laughs>
0: And it also probably has to be put into perspective that this is a world athletics event as well. And so yeah. there might be like specific rules that world athletics has in terms of temperature, because they have been criticized a lot in the last two years for not putting athletes first. Um, So that might be why, whereas like, you know, Western States is a private entity basically. No, that's
1: a really good point to make for sure. Um. But yeah, the uphill race, like we said, all the courses got changed. It originally was supposed to be 6K, and then it got changed to a 4K. (laughs) Personally, to be 6K is already so short. Yeah. So this was basically like a two and a half mile race uh, with 1,100 feet of climbing, which honestly, for like an uphill race, that isn't a lot of
0: climbing per mile. 1,100 feet for two and a half miles? No, that's not even like VK steep. It's not even VK steep. Yeah. Um, and
1: I was looking at Christian Allen's Strava and for perspective, his first mile was 449.
0: <laughs> well, so I saw pictures from this race and it almost looked like they were running down like a cobblestone road and who knows how long they were on that for.
1: Yeah. It's a, it looked like the first half mile was slightly downhill. His first half mile was 220. <laughs>
0: Oh my gosh. So it makes sense why he ran 4.49. Yeah. So maybe the uphill portion itself was actually like almost VK steep, but like, no, because even if it's just a half a mile downhill, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And then it was
1: basically for a mile and a half, he ran eight minutes. Yeah. Yeah. that's That's fast. Stupid fast. So then maybe they did gain, but even his profile, it says, um, the first mile was 60 feet. Then the second mile was 486 feet. And then, okay. Yeah. The last half mile was 600 feet. So yeah. really it was just like a super punchy last half mile. Um, so yeah, it, he, he crushed it. Um, but I'm just saying that's interesting for an uphill race. Cause normally an uphill race is, you're actually running uphill for a majority of the race. And I'm sure that had to do with them having to cut the course though. Like maybe it was going to keep on that same kind of pitch for the next, you know, three miles
0: originally. Cause the restrictions kept them from going above 400 meters in elevation, I think, which is like only 1100 feet basically. So they, it seems like they went as high as they could and then turned around. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. yeah, joe seward in first place from great britain followed by patrick you and christian allen in third shout out to christian allen man he's having a hell of a season i know and i was reading
1: the like i run far and i'm glad they gave him some kudos on having like a breakout season because i don't think maybe a lot of people are aware of how much he's been crushing it on the valseer mountain running cup and like for those who have been watching the Golden Trail World Series, everyone knows that Patrick gone and UmboGo are, like, crushers. Like, they can, yeah. they can win those races. Uh, Philemon won Sierras and out. And so Christian has been competing with them at all these races and has been pretty close. Um, so, yeah, I'm really curious to see if he's done for the year. I personally would love to see him just, like, stay in Europe and jump in the Golden Trail World Series race because – all his races got cut short anyways. Um, And then also I would just, uh, it's so hard because I know these races are looking for more depth, um, but I'd love to see him jump in some more golden trail next year um, just to kind of see how that goes. No, I definitely agree. And then on the women's side, Scout Adkin was the first woman. Uh, She's a runner from Great Britain I forgot what place she got at Worlds, but she's known for also her uphill and her classic running. I wouldn't be surprised if she was like top five in both of those events at Worlds, uh, but I would need to fact check myself. Um, And then second was Susanna Sapunki. Um, It looks like she might be Polish. I'm not sure what this flag is actually. Is it red and white? It's white and blue. Mm. Um, And then uh, third was Joyce. Uh, Muthani, which we have seen her run at Sears now, and then fourth was Valeris Cassing, who yeah. you know run together. Run together. She is a really common person on the Golden Travel Series. And then last but not least, and fifth was Sarah Wilhoit, which was also from Great Britain, which was cool. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I just <laughs> you're good. <laughs> I just popped onto Christian Allen's Strava to see if by any chance he was in Italy. <laughs> um but he's in spain still today and it says training camp ends tomorrow which makes me think he's going home which kind of sucks oh man okay he does have little kiddos at home so
1: yeah um but yeah the uh uh what's it called the excitement didn't stop there uh we then had the long course which um was a 38k and it had originally had uh, and this is such a big change. I, I literally laughed out loud when I saw this again, though, thanks for taking the athletes into consideration, but it went from almost 9,000 feet of climbing <laughs> to 2,300.
0: That's like a road race almost for these that is, athletes. That is a road race for 38 K. Oh
1: my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's fast. That is fast. Um, but to go from 9,000 feet to less than one, way less than one third of it. That is such a drastic thing that, you know, I think as athletes, sometimes we forget. I mean, that happened at OCC this year, right? Like we learned about the course change the week of where you have to be willing to adapt constantly and just, you know, work it to your advantage as much as possible. Um, And so, yeah, Christian Allen uh, crushed that race. And he ended up coming in first uh, in a time of 229. And then the Americans went one, two with Andrew or Andy Wacker. I can't believe I said Andrew came in second, which Andy also scooped up a XTERRA world championship like two weeks ago. So I just love to see Andy up there. Um, And then we had Andrej, who was third, Andre Fiejar, I am not familiar with that name. Manuel Anguita from Spain was in fourth, and then Harry Holmes from the UK also was in fifth. So UK showed up to
0: this. Yeah, and yeah. just to like fangirl a little bit more on Christian Allen here, I'm looking at this Strava now as well. His average time or pace for this 24 mile race was 6:14. So, I mean, he's very good at mountain stuff as well. But like, he's a colleague, like a very recent collegiate athlete. So this was like right up his alley. His splits like his gap paces for these are like mostly under six minutes. That is so fast. Yeah. Yeah. 555.
1: And it looks like, yeah, they just like went up and then kind of rolling down and then bombed down. Wow. Yeah. He was just cruising on this most. Yeah. Most of his splits were under six minutes. (laughs) That's wild. this was a very fast race. Um, Cool. And then on the women's side, we had um, the winner uh, was Ikram Razala, who's from Spain. Uh, I actually don't recognize any of these names except maybe third. Uh, Camila Magliano from Italy. Sarah Will Hoyt, that's the only one I recognize. Also from the UK, Great Britain. Sorry if I messed that up. Uh, Kirsten. Engelman, who's from Germany, and then Sylvia Puigarrar now from Spain. Wow, Spain basically was, let's see, fifth through almost 12th, including first place.
0: They they were like, we're going to show up for this 38k race with tons of vert. And then they were like, wait, what? (laughs) And
1: still crushed it. Um, This next one's crazy to me. The final event, the classic It's so crazy to me because I'm wondering if maybe this message got confused, but so the classic typically is like a 10 to 12 K. So I'm very confused why it says it initially was going to be over 50 K.
0: You would think that would be the long event. Yeah. Which is what we just talked about.
1: Yeah. But it went
0: from 50 K
1: to a 22 K (laughs) race.
0: That's honestly wild. This whole weekend for these athletes, like like the VK or the vertical race was probably the closest in terms of like race distance that you could prepare for. These other ones are like drastically different. Yeah. To go from over 50K to 22K. That oh is. Oh my God.
1: That's so confusing to me. That is. Yeah. That is extremely confusing. It would make more sense to me if the long had gone from 50K to 38K.
0: Yeah. I hope I captured that right and that this wasn't wrong, but yeah. Either way, like if this was meant to be over 50K, looking at like the winning times, Joyce won this race (laughs) as well in an hour and 29 minutes and Philemon won in an hour and 13 minutes. And if it's over 50K, you imagine it's at least three and a half hours, maybe four. (laughs) That's wild. So fast. That is so,
1: so fast. Um, and it was two laps.
0: Yeah. Two loop course. So they must've, my guess is that they still couldn't go over the 400 meter elevation mark. Yeah. So
1: did the same thing over and over. But again,
0: it makes a lot of sense as to why like Liam Mayro did really well in this race. Also like a really fast collegiate kid. And so you got Philemon in first, Patrick in second, Liam in third, all very fast dudes, as we know from Philemon and Patrick going one, two at Sears and all, And then on the women's side, you have Joyce Muthoni coming back to win her second race of the weekend. Falaris from Run Together who, was she second at Sears and All last year? Last year, I believe, yeah. She was second at Sears and All last year. And then Scout who was in the vertical um, on the women's side as well from the UK. So Yeah. Crazy weekend. (laughs) Crazy weekend. And
1: with uh, Philemon and Patrick, too, they're going to be doubling back at Golden Trail this weekend. Um, I don't know if Folares is or if she has enough points. I'd have to look at the standings again. But yeah, what a what a weekend for Valsier Cup. Uh, everyone showed up and did not do what was originally planned. So <laughs> <laughs> athletes who adapted did really well. And athletes who were in the heat did very well. Uh, So that wraps up that Mountain Cup. They'll probably announce their schedule as most of these series do before the end of this year. So athletes can start reaching out, planning their calendars, et cetera. Um, It's really cool to see run together so focused on this series. Um, I still personally think this series lacks some depth um, besides from something that we kind of touched upon in our, our world championship uh, recap in that, like, or when we were previewing this in that I think VK specialists really gravitate towards the series because there's not a lot of VKs um, that are kind of like people are targeting. So I think these, the VK races are very deep uh, for yeah. VK specialists, but you know, anyone who's been watching golden trail world series knows they also have a 20 something K coming up. And I think, you know, a 10th place there potentially could have, you know, podiumed or gotten top five here or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but fortunately it seems like Andy Wacker is taking the trail team to a lot of these Valsier races, which is cool. I mean, they're also doing golden trail, but, uh, so many of them are really good uphill specialists. And so I think it's awesome that this was like, especially early season, it felt kind of like their introduction to international racing. And then they got into the golden trail, mostly at the American races. So, yeah. And I will say too, we do have like a
1: American lens on this. Like I'm sure if Francesco Pupi can, Francesco Pupi would probably know a lot more of the names here than we do just kind of like off the bat, maybe people who don't travel as much and kind of just like stay in Spain or Italy when they race. Yeah. Um, Cool. So that wraps up the Valsier Mountain Cup. Uh, when it came to the overall winners, I
0: believe it went Patrick and then Ambogo. I actually think it's the other way around, but I'm not totally sure. I had a hard time finding results for this. Me too. It shouldn't be that hard to do that. Yeah. All right. I'll look that up, and then you want to transition you to Skyrunning? Started on Skyrunning. Yeah. So hopefully you guys listened to our last two long episodes with Karina and Antonio. Um, They are doing the Skyrunning Masters Final. So the Sky Masters Final, the weekend after Golden Trail. So this month is just insane. We had Valser this weekend, Golden Trail um, this coming weekend. And then after that is the Skyrunner World Series. And Karina kind of explained the rules and rankings a little better for us um, which was nice because we were very confused when we did this early season. Um, and so the way that the points work is that you get points based off of your place. So like in a premier sky race, which is what most of the people in these top races do, um, you get a hundred points for first, 80 points for second, 70 for third, 60. Uh, and then it starts to be kind of weird. It's like 54, 48, 42, 36. Um, But for the Sky Masters final, they, they don't quite, it seems like they almost like add a quarter of the points to that point. So like for first place, it's one twenty five, then 188, 75, 68, 60. So they come into the final with the points that they have from the season. And it's not like leveled out or anything. They get to add these Sky Masters points to their regular season rankings. And then at the end of the day, whoever comes out on top um, wins. And honestly, like I was looking at the rankings so far this year. And to me, it seems like the women's race has a lot more depth than the men's race does. Um, Plus they're all very close in points, whereas on the men's side, and I'll read off the points here in a second, it's very close through third, but then it drops off with fourth and fifth, not having a single win on the season. Whereas every single woman in the top six has at least one win. I love that. So yeah, <laughs> super cool. So on the women's side, going into the Sky Skymasters, um, we have tied for first is Iris Pessy and Clementine Joffrey. Clementine won Worlds this year um, in the short trail distance. They both have 280 points. Iris won Calamoro and Hawk Connig this year. Clementine won Gorbea and Mathezines. Um, not that far behind them is Emma Cook-Clark with 260 points with a win at Madeira. Fourth, or I guess third, is Karina Carsolio, 240 points with a win at Schlegus. Hillary Girardi, 230 points with a win at Grignay. I'm probably saying that wrong. And in six is Marcella with 228 points with a win at Minotaur. So that's two people with 280 points, then 260, 240, 230, 228 for the women through six. I love that. I love that yeah. they all have at least one win. Cause
1: I feel that mm, in golden trail, at least the last few years, there's kind of been dominance, at least on the women's side. So, you know, 2021, it was mod. She had like three wins and went into the final with a near perfect score. Last year was Nige, perfect wins going in with a perfect score. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and now it's, uh Sophia, because she, she even though she had a second place, she ended up getting an extra one and had a perfect score uh with Judith right behind her. So oh, that's so cool. I, I love that. That that's gonna be a great race to watch. Um man, this is really hard because it seems no me knowing just a couple of these courses, they're all technical but in different ways. Like you look at something like Madeira and it's like wet stairs, uh you know, kind of like that slippery rock, etc. But then you look at something like Minotaur, which is like, kind of like high Alpine, a lot of scree, shale, etc. cetera. Um, yeah. These are, these are kind of all over the place. And then uh, Karina's win at Schlick's uh, 3000 that looked like it was a lot of big boulder hopping and stuff like that. Um, So yeah, that is I don't know if I have like a clear favorite to me, it wouldn't be surprising if any of these women won. And then honestly, I love that Iris is leading because she has been a big participant in the golden trail world series. And I don't think she's gotten maybe higher than a top five. Um, but to see her doing so well in sky running to me, it's just a testament that like, we're all different athletes and like, you know, there's many different races for you to kind of find what makes you shine and it's so cool that I feel like she's found that
0: yeah definitely and I should have mentioned this in my little intro but um the race is taking place in Limon Sul Garda which is in Italy so both the Golden Trail final and the Sky Masters final are are in Italy um the event is called the Limon Extreme so um just in case you guys want to watch do we know if that's like live streamed or anything I don't know, but they've
1: been doing really well with like their video stuff this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was like at least live updates like on their Instagram. Yeah.
0: yeah. If we find a live stream, we'll put it in the show notes. Not totally sure on that. Um so then on the men's side, like I said, the the top men are very close, but then it drops off pretty drastically. Um after that, just with none of the other guys having any wins on the season. So, Antonio Martinez Perez, who we just interviewed recently, um, is currently in first place with 280 points with wins at Calamoro and Madeira Sky Race. In second, actually tied for second, is Frederick Tranchand. Tra- I'm saying that wrong. And Manuel Marias, who um, we will be releasing an episode prior to the Golden Drill World series with him. They both have 240 points. Frederick won Mathazines and um Manuel won Matterhorn UltraX Extreme, and he's also ranked third in the Golden Trail. So you have the first place Antonio with 280 points, and then tied for second are Frederick and Manu with 240 points. And then after that, it drops down to 208 points with William Bofelli, and then 196 points for Luison Cuife. So all of the women are above 200 points, and that's not the case for the men.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be a battle between these top three. Um, You know, again, though, I don't know a lot on the men's sky running side. Um, I feel like there's a lot more to learn there, whereas a lot of these women have also kind of crossed over into Golden Trail. So that's why I kind of know them. But personally, I mean, if you haven't listened to our episode with Antonio, I'm really excited to see how he does. Um, And then Manu, people know from golden trail and it's just extremely impressive to me that he's also ranked third overall in golden trail world series uh and, and he'll then be Fre- doing
0: both races
1: and he'll be doing both races so he potentially will be going in a little bit more tired because golden trails this week where sky running is the following week and then frederick who is tied with manu um he's a world's uh orient orienteering champion so yeah he's used to this kind of like off-trail stuff
0: oh yeah Well, we'll give you guys more updates as we, um, hear them. We'll post sky running stuff on our Instagram so you guys can keep up and yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting end of the season. Cause I remember that Karina was saying like, oh, like we're not really that close, but it seems like, like they are closer than she thinks because based on what I'm reading in these points. Um, with 125 points for a win at the Sky Masters, like even Karina with 240 points, like maybe could catch a Clementine if Clementine doesn't have as good of a day. So it's, it'll be interesting. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, and before we move over to golden trail, I'll just do the Valsier overall really quick. Uh, since I said I would do that, uh, yeah, Philemon ended up winning overall, Uh, with 285 points i do forget that sierras now is part of valsier also that was like a double hit for him with gold trail patrick was second with 280 points and then joe stewart uh third place for great britain 211 remy Laroe from canada 168 and then our own christian allen ended up pulling off fifth uh i think with only a couple races i think he only did like trofeo and and the final potentially um and then on the women's side joyce uh, Najiru from Kenya was first with 295. Scout Adkins second from Great Britain, 230. Flairs Kasing 250. Andrea Mayer, who is our VK world champion in specialist, 190. And then Lucy Mergui was 190. So Kenya went 135, uh, on the women's side and one, two on the men's side. Hell yeah. Hell
0: yeah. And our we didn't do this in order of date. I apologize, but, um, (laughs) final final that we're talking about today is the golden trail world series final, which happens this weekend, um, October 19th through 22nd. It's going to be happening in Il Golfo Isola, Italy, which is a little coastal town. And, um, the race has changed a bit over the last week, but as of right now, it is a 26 kilometer race with Fourteen thirty meters, which is um almost forty seven hundred feet. Oh, plus a prologue, which do you want to talk about that, Danny?
1: Yeah, so I feel like they just started introducing the prologue, um, or I think the first time I saw it was in twenty twenty, which was also a stage race, and the prologue was a shorter race, um, usually like three to ten k that that at least that year, like gave you your starting spot because it was like almost too congested. So they did like rows of people. And so based on how you did in the prologue, but now I think it's more of like a way to get extra points if you want. Um, and so, uh, this year, the prologue, it starts with the women's prologue on Thursday. Um, the men's prologue is on Friday, And then the women's race is on Saturday and the men's race is on Sunday. Uh, But the prologue this year, I believe, is an 8K. Uh, I think originally it was a 6K. And basically, you're going up and then you're going down. (laughs) Um, And the points are so close this year that nearly everyone we talk to is doing the prologue. So even though you only get half points, so the winner, I believe, gets – do they get 100 points or 50 points? I think they get a hundred points. So it's you the same as, get,
0: yeah, 200, right. For a win.
1: Yeah. So it's a, it's half points. Um, But like, for example, on the women's side, Sophia Lockley was 600. Judith Wider with 588. If Judith, you know, pulls off a win in the prologue pro- that can help her inch towards Sophia. And then I think, especially on the men's side, there's, definitely no one that is not going to do the prologue because the points are literally close. They're way too close. I mean, third, fourth, fifth are separated by four
0: points. Um, So yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Let's um, I'll read off these top six on both sides for the men. We have Remy Bonet with 600 points, Roberto de Lorenzi with 520, Manu Marias with 516, Eli Hemming 514, Patrick Kipnieno 512, and Philemon Kiriago with 464. And then on the women's side, Sophia Lockley 600, Judith Weider 588, Malinosa 488, Sylvia Nordskar 472, Miao Yao 463, and Tres LeBuff 457 through the top six. So both races are kind of similar in the sense that, like, up front they're not very close, but like right behind like on the men's side, second through fifth, on the women's side, third through sixth are like super close.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I do think too, as you get down lower, the points kind of like get close again when you're like 15 through 20 and stuff like that. Um, And yeah, for this series in particular, like if you place in the top 10 you not only get prize money but you get an incentive for the following year um in that all of your travel and stuff is paid for i believe for at least three races um there's word that that might change potentially next year as far as number of races but like there's huge incentives. So like, even if you're someone that's in 14th place or 15th place, like you're not just getting in the top 10 for the prestige, but depending on your level of support, you know, like through your contract, et cetera, that can be a huge win for you if the next year Golden Trail is paying for you to go to Zagama, Mont Blanc, et cetera. Um, And then I believe also if you place in the top 20, which is why they invite the top 30, you get like some free bibs the next year so they don't necessarily pay for your travel but you could still show up to zagama and know that you have a spot uh reserved for you, for example so people are running for a lot more than just you know the initial prize money and prestige there's like an extension uh which I think is a large reason why Golden Trail has been so successful and desirable uh from the start
0: yeah definitely the the support is Very needed, especially for these sub ultra events. Not there's not, it's getting better obviously, but there's not a ton of support for athletes that are running shorter distance. So it's cool that the series itself is like helping people develop basically. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, and there's also kind of another layer of athletes, so you know, there's those that are represented on the Golden Trail World Series results but there's also those athletes who have been participating in their national series that will also be in this race, but their scores are kept separate. But (laughs) if someone from a golden trail national series, for example, like I believe Malinosa was this person last year, uh, they can displace you. So if somebody on the men's side, is coming in with an entry from the Golden Trail National Series in France for example that person can get third place and his points are separate but he displaces everyone behind him so it's almost like the third place points don't exist yeah. uh which also is kind of like a fun factor
0: that is a lot of fun yeah that was Malin last year if you guys haven't yet go listen to our little short episode with Malin um she came in from the national series last year and like absolutely crushed and so she's doing the world series this year yeah I think we should dive into the course
1: for the next day and then some of our picks yeah um so (laughs) this course has changed but unlike uh what just happened with Valsier Mountain Cup where it changed the week of you know athletes have a little bit more headway um but this is also kind of I think a drastic change. Originally, the long course was supposed to have about 4,000 feet, um, which even like my gut feeling when they originally sent this course out, you know, as the announcement for this year, my thought was like, that is not a lot of climbing for like a Golden Trail World Series final. It feels
0: too easy and also like feels short. Yeah. Yeah. But based on pictures that we received from Mika, uh, it may be just because it's so technical. Yeah, but I didn't talk
1: about the change yet. So that's what it was supposed to be originally. Um, And then it increased to 4,700 feet of climbing uh, in 16 miles. So they definitely added almost 800 feet of climbing to what was originally slated. But yeah, originally we thought this was going to be pretty buttery. Um, but Greg Vole, the, the mastermind that he is, um, depending on if you like tactical trail or not, it depends on <laughs> who you're runner. He likes to make things fun. And so he's just been out there, uh, cranking away on this trail, you know, trying to make it more technical and, uh, difficult in my opinion, to make sure the Maybe. final has some exciting moments.
0: Yeah, based on the GPX that we were originally looking at when we started interviewing people. So you'll hear us in our little uh, 15 minute episodes being like, oh, it's buttery. It'll be great. Like the pictures did look very buttery. And the course was also like, it felt more rolling, whereas now it feels much sharper in the ascents and descents. Um, So yeah, I'm, I actually think this is definitely more of a golden trail final type race than the one that we were originally looking at
1: i 100 percent agree yeah because i know personally when i thought about it way back when too i was like maybe this is not my year to do golden trail like this is this is very fast for a final (laughs) um the other thing about the course though that they changed is that originally it it kind of have has always been kind of flowery um where it kind of had it was like a four-leaf clover i want to say was like maybe the original map is what it looked like um, but now what they're doing is they only have one aid station, and they're doing loops, and so they have five loops that they're doing, and they're coming through the aid station slash in quotes like fan zone. Um, and I think I think it's cool that Golden Trail is like willing to be innovative because I think that potentially could be a downfall for like a sport like ours, like if we get too comfortable and complacent and aren't willing to try new things. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this is received by not only spectators but athletes uh, but their reasoning behind this was one I think it's easier for coverage of the actual race and it developing if you're seeing the athletes every 20 to, to 35 minutes right going out on these loops um, 2 spectator friendly spectators can just stay in one place again so along with like that viewing participation thing and then also just like a smaller environmental impact so in case instead of people like driving around trying to view the race as it's going on you can just stay in one place uh, for the aid station and then another advantage they mentioned was uh safety of the athletes so like if something were to happen you know they could get access to help uh to me, I agree with that last one to a certain extent. It does seem like a pretty accessible place. Like it's on the coast in Italy where a lot of people live and stuff like that. So I think athletes would have been safe regardless, but it's cool that they're adding that ad as like another reason for the change.
0: Yeah. And just uh, to clarify, the they are doing five different loops. So five different loops, but each one comes back to the middle, basically. Um, And this course uh, for especially our American listeners is like quite similar to a broken arrow in terms of the distance and elevation gain. But unlike broken arrow, where you basically just have two climbs, one's really big and one's kind of smaller and two descents, um, you have four to five climbs with a steep descent in between each of them. And then there's even, it looks like that the last loop is like this tiny little, My guess is it's maybe like a K to a mile and it's like this sharp little climb. And I'm imagining that's going to feel terrible at the end of the race.
1: (laughs) Yeah, honestly, what I just was thinking about is like, you know, just pulling from my most recent experience of this at Kodiak where like we had an aid station where you had to go out and back and it was the last aid station And I knew personally, Bailey was still behind me. You kind of cross this midpoint where, you know, I'm going down to the aid station, but you could just turn right to be on the course. You're not allowed to, you had to go to the aid station. That was part of the course. So with this, like, you're going to see your competition as you come in. Exactly. And you'll know exactly where they are behind you. And personally, I found that to be so helpful in that I, I did, kind of didn't want to see her, you know, in a way where I, you know, maybe I had already broken the 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 line between us. But I did see her, and it allowed me to push so much harder because I was like, oh crap, she's right there. So yeah. if people are coming in, like you can see on on the map, uh, like Loop three and four, there's two-way traffic. So imagine being someone like Sophia in the lead, seeing Judith just hammering a downhill. All oh, that's going to light a
0: fire under you for sure. Yeah, it definitely makes it more fun. And you're getting constant feedback about how far people are behind you because the aid station is the same every time. Whereas like, sometimes I feel like when you go to different aid stations, people give you like guesses. (laughs) It's not quite as uh, good. Like Sophia telling us that she thought that Ninke was like 30 seconds behind her for the last four miles, but she was like five minutes behind her.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I yeah. think personally, my goal would be to be on the same loop as the finisher, the first yeah. place finisher. <laughs> you know, like in track, when you're doing a 10k, I'm like, as long as I'm on the just same don't lap, get yeah, don't get lapped. And that would be my goal is like, just don't, don't be on the, the third loop when the winner's on the fifth loop. Definitely.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, and, uh, something that we, I feel like we kind of brushed over it, but I want to mention is that, um the men's and women's races are on different days this year, which is new. And that is also, um, better for coverage of the women's events. And I think that that's great. I also think that part of it is because the race is so short that you would just miss the entire women's race. um, because the men would, the the men and the women aren't going to finish that far apart as they would in like a, you know, a stage race or a, a longer race. So I think that's really great that they each have their own days and that's for the prologue as well.
1: Yeah. I think that's incredible. I stepped in the right direction, at least for these shorter races, you could never do something like that with like UTMB. Um, before we get into our picks, just like, you know, drawing from your own personal experience, how do you think you would approach these two races, you know, assuming you're running both of them?
0: Well, I'd definitely be running both of them. Cause I'm the kind of person that can't, um, just like give away points like that. <laughs> um, I would say because they're such short races, I feel like you got to hammer day one, but not hammer the downhill too hard. Like you got to just send it on the uphill, maybe save your legs a little bit on the downhill, but it also doesn't seem like that steep of a descent that maybe you would need to. Um, because in my head, it's kind of like a VK 26K type double. Um, So you can run pretty hard without maybe totally taking it out of yourself. It's almost like a tune up. And then, um, I mean, the 26K. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, first off, I'd just be trying to finish in the same lap as the leader. But um, I think that because you see people so frequently, you want to keep people in contact enough that you know where they are on each lap. So you can maybe let people go but not so much that you're going to miss that turn and seeing them. Yeah. Do you think this is the type of race that you
1: can just hammer from the beginning? Or do you think you have to take the profile into consideration?
0: I think you've got to take the profile into consideration. If you hammer too early, like those descents are going to crush you because they look steep.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I would say the same about the prologue. You almost like go as hard as you can on the uphill and then just try to not pound on the downhill because out of maintain, like I would imagine it probably is on some cobblestone or road, just knowing Europe type of terrain. Um, and to me, the part that just is really sticking out on this longer course is that downhill right before 15k. Um there's kind of like it goes up, down, and then you have like a quick up, down, and then it's kind of steep, and then you go into your longest climb right after that. So I feel like whoever you're trying to beat or be with, like be with them, and that's almost the decision point for the race besides the very last loop.
0: Yeah, if you, stupid little climb. The
1: stupid little climb that looks also equally steep. Which um, is super short. <laughs> yeah, it says it's 22% the last climb. So if Ouch. you, yeah, 22% for basically 0. 0.3. So 22% in like, basically like a 500 meter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a, a hiker probably for a lot of people. For a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like that, uh, that uphill, that last little uphill at the Mammoth Drill Fest this year. Oh, exactly. That's exactly what that is. That's yep. so
1: funny. Yeah. And that climb that we're saying is the steepest has it looks like 28% on the hardest part. Ouch. Ouch. (laughs) Um, (laughs) all right. Who, who are you picking for your podiums? Just like maybe both of them if you can.
0: Yeah. So I think on the women's side, like Sophia and Judith, there's probably not going to be much movement. Um, who knows? I mean, Judith definitely beat Sophia in the last race, but, I don't know. I think Sophia is my favorite this year. Maybe I'm just an American and want the American to win. But so I think it's Sophia. Well, Sophia Judith, beat Judith at Pikes. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's yeah. what I said. Okay. Um, but then I think that there's a possibility that Yao Meow moves into third. And I think that's my women's podium. And then on the men's side, Remy Bonet is like pretty far ahead. So it'd be really hard for anyone to dethrone him. But. I think, God, this men's race is crazy. Um, I think that Patrick will finish second. I think he will move up just because um, I think his points would have been higher had Mammoth not gone the way that it went. Unfortunately, Philemon lost too many points at Pikes and Mammoth. So I think he's out of the running. And then, so Remy first, Patrick second. I think it's going to be really close between Roberto and Manu. Usually I would add Eli Hemming in there as well, but he just ran a 50K this weekend, is traveling. I'd be surprised if he's as fresh as those guys. Um, But I think it's going to be Manu over Roberto now that the course has changed. So Remy, Patrick, Manu. Nice. Those are solid.
1: Yeah, for me, I think there's some people that the prologue will add a little spice like on the women's side, I could see Floria, like podium mean potentially in the prologue, but I don't know if she'll be like top four on the longer day just because I don't know how her technical skills are, um, but she's just fast, right? Um, and so I could see her moving up, but I don't think she has enough time to move up all the way until the podium, but I could see her messing up other people's points, Um Mao Yao, i think is going to mess up people's points too because she's in fifth right now i could see her moving up into third also just because (laughs) i actually haven't raced her oh i guess i partially raced her occ but i don't (laughs) count that um but she just shoots out like a rocket yeah in all these races and i've heard she's actually pretty good at technical terrain too i just haven't seen it yet so i can't like fully grasp it um she's
0: been there for like by the time the race starts, I think she will have been there for like 10 to 14 days in advance to check out the course. Yeah, that's a huge advantage for sure.
1: Um, Teresa LaBeouf, I also could see like getting up in there because she's a very good technical runner and it seems like she's taken somewhat of a break. Um, I think she's done a couple like Falsier or Mountain Running Cup things. But dang, honestly, I think I'm just going to put this out there. I think Sophia and Judith have a good chance of tying
0: like when all is said
1: and done. Yeah. Because I also would love to see Sophia take the win, but it's really hard for me to bet against Judith now that I know it's more technical. Um, and Sophia has showed, she can also run crazy technical stuff at Dolomites, but that is her only loss of the season and in a very long to Judith, Judith, Judith. (laughs) to Judith and, um, yeah. I think honestly, the prologue might decide it. Cause like, to me, Sophia can take a pr- some prologue points, but that's not a lot of points. And so yep. if Judith takes the win the next day, and if somehow somebody manages like meow, Yao to like push Sophia back, um, then suddenly we got a tie going on. Yep. So
0: which- do they have rules for tiebreakers? I don't know that's why I kind I of like want it to, I want yeah. to see what
1: happens they're like and you have a third race
0: yeah because sky Running does have rules for oh that. you
1: know what they do have they do have so then Sophia would win I think because it's whoever has more wins in the regular season mm, okay so then Sophia would win but
0: yeah points Wait, but wise. they're tied on that too uh because Sophia won Montblanc marathon and Pike's and Judith won Dolomites and um, Mammoth.
1: No, but Sophia also won and All. That's how she. Has oh, I like,
0: forgot. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that's why okay. she has six hundred. Yeah, no, but
0: <laughs> I get it for
1: sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I think it's like a tie, and then I think Meow Meow gets that third spot. I would love to see Malin like hold on to it, but I think Meow Yao is just like such She's a rocket this year. She's such a rocket. Um, she does not play around. And then I think Malin and Teresa Buff are in there. And then Malin adds like an interesting points twist somehow, but doesn't move up that high because she doesn't have time. Men's side, Remy, it would take something really crazy to happen for him. Like he gets injured on the first day, knock on wood, and somehow can't compete. Um, Honestly, I'm keeping Roberto in second. He got second at Dolomites. He's fast. Um, the only thing that I could think of holding him back is that he did Pikes mammoth, and then he did a marathon. So ultra Pi at Ultra Piu. And so potentially he might be more tired than he realizes. Um, and so, but I think if he's fresh, like he's got all he could he's a sky runner, he's fast, he could climb, he could descend. Um, and so I could see him potentially being Manu beating Manuel because of the pro something like the prologue where I would put Robert Roberto uh, ahead of Manu. And then I think Patrick and Philemon, I don't know if they'll move. They, I could see them moving up above Eli Hemming, um, but I don't see them, either of them moving up onto the podium, unfortunately. Just because like, again, technical, you know, 26 six k. I haven't seen them do something super technical yet. So it's more just a question I just don't know. And then Eli same, like I could see him staying in the top five more so because him and Tabor do these doubles <laughs> all the time. So he yeah. is actually someone that like, even though he just did a 50 K, um, it was a pretty fast 50 K like he was under four hours. Um, so it just depends on how he's feeling. So I'm going to go Remy how their travel Ro- goes and how their travel goes. So I'm still going to keep it Remy, Roberto, Manu, but then third or fourth, fifth, and sixth will get mixed up somehow.
0: Yeah. Well, we will put these in the show notes, but for Golden Trail, um, you can watch from the fan zone <laughs> if you're in Noli, Italy. Um, you can watch on Eurosport, on the Golden Trail series YouTube, and on Golden Trail TV. And again, those races happen uh, women's prologue on Thursday, men's prologue Friday, women's race Saturday, men's race Sunday.
1: Yeah. I'm so excited. End the season championships.
0: <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I'm uh, also excited that I'm not racing any of them this year. <laughs> I'm really <pretty> tired.
1: <sighs> yeah. I feel like my body could have, up my mind was kaput uh, for yeah. it. And I think MK and, both, MK and I are both eyeing some golden trail world series next year. Um, maybe not the full series, but some races here and there. So We'll see. Maybe we'll be boots on the ground again next year at a few more events with our Um, tiny mics, with our tiny mics. (laughs) Yes. I love that. And yeah, we also, last but not least, we'll keep you posted on kind of what the next few months are going to look like for us. Uh, Again, this is our first year doing the pod. So we're kind of just, you know, learning as we go, but also just want to make it so it's sustainable for us because you know, like we just mentioned we're I'm at, in my season end. MK still, uh, training, getting ready for CIM, but it's kind of nice to like fully unplug when you're off season as an athlete. Um, so yeah, we'll probably announce sometime soon, kind of what the next months will look like, but you know, uh, for sure come January, we'll be starting to crank out more episodes again.
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll probably take some, some breaks.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. But- yeah. thanks again for listening this has been the subhub podcast brought to you by free trail and never second
0: let's go use code code subhub 25 at checkout to get 25 percent off your purchase